they call me Crazy Jack. And I, I think crazy is good. We are crazy, but we're not stupid. You keep pushing because you believe in yourself and in your vision. Stay hungry, stay foolish. The Crazy TV Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Crazy TV Podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs and intrapreneurs who want to make a difference. Today we have a special guest, Dale Morgan, founder of Astown, an award-winning creative agency with state-of-the-art fabrication capabilities across North America. Um, Dale is a finalist of Ersten Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award. Uh, his team at Astown is uh, apparently amazing uh, because they brought projects to life for amazing brands such as Google, Nike, Shopify, MasterCard. Um, so we're talking uh, big brands here, amazing companies. And they expand the services from trade shows, events and experiences into retail strategy, design and outfitting and architectural project development. So that being said, uh, Dale, thank you for being on the Creativity Podcast. Thank you for taking the time. Thanks so much. This is great. Thanks for having me. I'm happy that you're taking the time and I'm sure you're going to inspire our listeners here and I have so many questions for you. First of all, um, maybe you can say in a nutshell, in a few sentences, uh, how Astound help other companies. I know I said it a little bit, but you are going to say it, to say it better than me. Wow, that's, uh, that's a big question. Um, just we do so many different things uh, at this point. Uh, it's it's hard to keep up, keep up, but um, kind of at the highest level, we're problem solvers. Um, and there's all different types of challenges, especially today in the times that we're living in. So we find, um, you know, being uh, being a creative first company has has really helped us um, navigate this, uh, navigate through the COVID days, and we. Um, you know, as, as you mentioned, we do a variety of things from experiences, a lot of live events, trade shows, uh, pop-ups, things like that. But of course, with all that stuff um, going away, um, today we do uh, a lot of other interesting things from, you know, virtual versions of those things I mentioned uh, to manufacturing. Um, well, the latest is shovels and houses so uh wow. we basically <laughs> will do we'll do pretty much anything right now to keep our infrastructure uh together and it's just it's it's been a it's been a wild ride wow that's crazy i have a lot of questions uh, about Estown as well a little bit later um first of all i wanted to say how i discovered you and Estown, uh and it's actually in the ink magazine in the best hundred companies and you're in the top two for marketing and advertising which is amazing and i want to talk about that later but i'm very interested in you first of all uh, how you got there your path and i'm sure listeners are too so one thing i've heard or maybe i should say one thing i've, I've read is that you weren't the best student when you were younger and <laughs> Uh, that's what I've read. And I believe uh, it can be of interest for parents out there listening or young entrepreneurs or about the kids or their career uh, to understand how you can make it without having amazing grades. So what were the qualities you could capitalize on? Well, um, 
Wait, let me just uh, clarify that because uh, I wouldn't <laughs> say I was a bad student per se. I maybe because um, in the early days I got very good grades, very good. I was a very good little boy and okay. got all sorts of good grades. But I was always a bit of a class clown kind of person. Um, okay. Later in in high school, uh, I let's call it a more strategic approach to school where my goal was fifty one percent. Generally, I just wanted to, to pass because I, I knew I was good at tests and I could kind of uh, skate by on uh, ability. So that was that's really it. So it wasn't it wasn't I didn't know um, I didn't understand the, the, the topics. I just um, was just a bit of a rebel, I guess you could say. So. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So you weren't. OK, I, I'm maybe I misread about that. But, um... <laughs> that's a, that's okay. No, I like that. Well, that's a bad student, right? That is, a, that is the definition of a bad student. It's even worse when you, when you don't try. So that's, uh, yeah. So that is true. Bad student. So I will take what it. What were your strengths at this moment where you were younger? So let's say in high school and then going into, uh, your studies, uh, what were your strengths and how you got into entrepreneurship? What was the bridge here? Um, well, in, in school, my strengths, I mean, I was, I cared more about basketball than, uh, than anything <laughs> <That's a> else. <laughs> yeah. I, I loved, loved basketball. Um, so that was, that was a lot of fun. And, you know, beyond that, I was always a, a hard worker. Like I, I had, I was, you know, I was the kid with the paper route. I was the kid with the cleaning contract, you know, before school, I always had a job before school. I, you know, always mm. found a way to have, um, some little bit of cash in my pocket. You know, I, you know, bought a car early on and just that kind of guy in general, like I would, you know, work and, um, save money and, you know, do the, do the extra stuff to have, uh, a little bit of extra cash to, to do some fun things. Cause yeah. my, yeah, you know, my mom and dad weren't really big supporters of just giving me money. My dad always, um, would say, you know, you can, you can have a car when you can buy one. And, uh, that's, so mm -hmm. that's, that's what I did. That's, that's a great thing. I believe, um, that rich i've heard i'm not one of them that rich parents have a difficulty with that because their kids live in a world where they can have anything so they have to force themselves not to give their kids um the the, the luxury so they can fight by themselves and develop that kind of a, a mindset and can we say that it's this kind of mindset that got you into entrepreneurship yeah i think so um you know i i always in, enjoyed business um And when I first got out of high school, I did have, I had a, my own cleaning company actually at, at first, I got a couple cleaning contracts because I just liked that it wasn't that much time investment and, you know, the qualifications weren't, were just that you could do the job and, and be consistent. So that was kind of the first, the first, um, thing that I did. And then while I had these other contracts, I also um, worked at a, a company setting up uh, displays because uh, the, there was an opportunity to travel. So I, I wanted to get mm. that experience. And, you know, while I had the entrepreneurial bug and, and, you know, 
at a, at a much smaller scale with these, with the cleaning business, I, you know, also like to, to work, you know, I was a, a hard worker. So it was kind of those two things, um, that I eventually combined into, um, what became astound. That's interesting. So you never, did, did you ever had a regular job later? Like when did you start at astound? Yeah. So I had a regular job for, it was, it wasn't even really a full-time job for a few years. Uh, I'd say four years. And then I started astound when I was 22 years wow. old. That's, that's, that's pretty young. That's pretty young. Um, actually, oh, no, actually I had a, I had a, <laughs> I had a sentence that I, um, I copied from one of your interviews and you said, when I started the company in 2000, I never could have dreamed of the hates we would reach, the projects that we would be part of, the brands we would work with, and most importantly, the people I would meet and relationships I would make. And you know, when I read that for an entrepreneur like me, the first thing that came to mind is how you were able to get there. How did you go from, I mean, it, it was a long journey, I guess, but how did you go from this bedroom um, to the company you have today, 200, 250 plus employees, right? Um, so what were the milestones basically and how did your mindset evolve through that journey? So, um, you know, I had a, a basic plan that I knew that I wanted to uh, have a company that was part of the coolest projects. And, you know, I love design and I, and I loved seeing things, uh, come to life. So th this, um, it, it really provided an outlet for that, that desire and that opportunity. There wasn't really a, um, you know, typical business plan. It just really was one project at a time. And I took the route of like the, you know, the 20 year grind and I never took on any money. It was all fueled by sales and it was just sort of one, one client at a time, one project and adding people as it goes. And it went moved from the second bedroom to a, uh, you know, a little space originally in Burlington, Ontario. Then what to... were the first thing you worked on? The first projects you worked on? So yeah, the fir very first project for for the company was um, was actually it's 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 a bit of a story. So the the job that I had previously, um, they actually sent me over to Asia to set up an exhibit, and I met somebody over there in the industry in the exhibit industry that kind of changed everything. I I helped him out with his. Uh, with his setup that he was struggling with. And uh, it, it kind of sparked a, a friendship. And from there, we had an idea that we were going to be the middleman, um, essentially, for Silicon Valley companies exhibiting in Asia, and that we would do mm. handle all the design, and we would, uh, you know, make sure that everything comes off perfectly, because, you know, we saw, um, kind of a setup that didn't really make any sense. Um, like on, on one hand, you had all the Asian uh, builders, uh, craftsmen, like building up these amazing um, build and burn displays that were really elaborate, really beautifully done, but not really um, the same style that North American companies 
exhibiting at these shows would would mm. would go for. And you know, on the other end of the spectrum, you know, we had crates and um, display properties being air freighted from North America, very expensive, like you know, probably cost more in shipping than it did to build something from scratch. So the idea was, you know, what if we could get these builders to build things that are, are you know, and, and finish them in a, in a way that this, um, that the North American clientele would, uh, would want. And mm. it's kind of a no brainer, right? If you could save all that money, have it be managed, not have all that uh, shipping cost. So that was kind of the initial idea is that is is that we would do that and and it, it yeah. ended up working. Wow, that's great. That's that's quite specific and something only very you niche. can know on the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, very niche, very kind of right market, right time. Um and it was yeah. a lot to do with the timing of uh you know where the economy was at too. So it was it was opportunistic and it just kind of ended up working. So that would be, you know, kind of the luck part of the equation for sure. Nice. And then you worked on other projects and broaden your, your services and, and that you could offer to client one at a time. That's what you were saying. Yeah. So, you know, with the, with the trade show industry and this, this show in particular was called um, Semicon. And it traveled to all the different Asian countries. And you see, you'd have all these exhibitors, um, these companies from all over the world that would come to um, meet and build up these displays for, um, for this industry. So that's where, you know, once you have one, you know how to do it. We, can, we, we quickly branched out and got more and more clients because the, the model just made a lot of sense. And it went from one to two to three to 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 ten um, clients at all of these on this whole circuit. So that really is what fueled the whole um, rise of of the company at the beginning. Interesting, yeah. Because from uh, now, if you look at your company, even you, you can't just say what everything you do. So it's it's quite a. Um, uh, It's, uh, I guess, uh, it's a lot, right? We we think, how how did you get there? And I guess there is no secret; it's one step at a time. Of course, I'm going to ask you more questions about marketing and advertising and everything you do about that. But on on the overview is that you, yeah, you took it uh, one after the other. Yep, just kind of one thing at a time, and then you know it worked in that industry, and we branched out to another industry. And I think that was really critical to the success is, is, you know, digging in and understanding what those customers want and what they need, what's important to them, what their style was and, uh, you know, how to service them. So, and, you know, every, every country was unique. So it was really, you know, dig, digging in and focusing on the customer. And um, once we kind of had that framework, Then it was quite transferable to other other industries. It just um, you know maybe a little bit different wants or needs, but the basics are there, right? Like you just yeah, we just want to make the the client happy at the end of the day. Wow, very cool. And on a more personal level, did you have to coach yourself, if I can say so, or motivate yourself to push your boundaries constantly, 
or did things happen one at a time with a sort of a serendipity um, just thinking about the client like you said yeah a little bit of both I guess um, you know I guess I have like a, a natural drive and energy that we need to that is needed to to push things along um, the work was fun so it was, it was quite satisfying to you know do work on a design with the client and then actually get it see it to see it um, get built up and you know see everybody enjoying the space and everything and that's that's the payoff right so um, so yeah that's that's really what keeps it going you know enjoying the work and and getting that payoff and um, what kind of obstacles did you encounter along the way? I guess you cannot go into the specifics of each project that would take hours, but were there big obstacles on a personal level, on a, on a, on a business level as an entrepreneur that you had? Oh, yes. Never-ending obstacles. Uh, the first, <laughs> one, first one being I had no idea what I was doing. Um, <laughs> so that was a pretty big one. And then you, you just learn, right? You just learn from mistakes and you figure it out. Uh, but it's just, yeah. Th so that was the biggest obstacle for sure. Not having um, really a, a business background and not having that formal training. Like I mentioned my, my 51% uh, goal early days. I, I definitely, um, kicked myself many times, wishing that I had, uh, you know, more of a foundation because it, it would have been, it would have been a lot easier if, if I, um, if I had some more formal training, but, you know, I kind of earned mm. my, earned my, uh, MBA, if you will, the hard way. <laughs> yeah. Not that I have one. I still don't have one, but not formally. <laughs> what did you actually <laughs> study? I didn't even ask you. Oh, I finished high school and I started doing this. That was it. Wow, pretty cool, pretty cool. Yeah, so you 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 really you, you learn along the way. And uh, is there another method to learn? I guess <laughs> I don't I don't really think so. Yes, you can have a foundation, but you you are going to learn from experience anyways. Yeah, well, I mean, like one thing that has always been my philosophy is like, you know, is admitting what I don't know, like not trying to, um, you know, not trying to do everything myself, not trying to um, be the smartest person. It's just really about making it happen at the end of the day and recognizing where experts are needed and then being able to put the whole thing together for, for, a, a, for a, a good result, right? It's, that's really the, the trick. And because this, this kind of work is, you know, it's a lot of logistics, a lot can go wrong. You know, you've got the variable of clients and personalities and, you know, all these different requests and subjectivity with design. And, you know, it's a lot of uh, variables. So maybe that's was the secret that it's kind of uh, these projects were maybe, you know, thinking out loud here, maybe like microcosms of how business works in general. And, yeah. That's maybe what, what allowed uh, me to learn, right? It's um, so quickly and to, to improve and grow. But it is definitely a quality. Being able to say it's not just about me and it's just about making it happen 
and I'm going to along along the way, I'm going to just open my mind to different people as well. Um, I guess that's how you started with this person that you mentioned. And then along the way, you open yourself to others and trust them to co-create something. And that's definitely a quality I can see from the, from the outside. It's pretty interesting to see it that way. Well, I mean, uh, you've got a pretty cool podcast here. So, I mean, this is something <laughs> I've never done. And I'm sure you're going through a similar thing because uh, I would love to be a podcast host. It's a lot of, yeah. it must be a lot of fun. <laughs> well, it's definitely not as hard as what you're doing right now, which also leads me to uh, my next question. What is uh, the life of a CEO of such a large company? Uh, that's something I'm wondering, you know, um, we see a company in magazine and we see, we hear about all the, the amazing things you do. Um, what is a typical day for you? And is it... How do you, do you balance life and work? Um, well, yeah, typical day starts starts really early. Um, I try to try to take at least some time for myself um, by doing some sort of activity or um, just even just a little quiet time before everybody gets up um, or some exercise. That's the best way to start the day. But since I've moved out to Las Vegas, I find um, there's a lot more pull uh, to start earlier and to start um, getting on the phone a lot earlier. So typically, I'm I'm on the phone with people on the Eastern time, you know, so 6 a.m. What is early for you? Yeah, I got, when you wake, wake up, up like five, five, five or five thirty. Wow. Okay. Yeah, every day. But it's but I've got two little kids, so I'm forced to go to bed early it's it's not too yeah. bad i actually probably get more sleep now than than i used to <laughs> all right and then then yeah i guess you're on the phone and you you have a lot of fires to to um, to deal with um and yeah what if no fires everything is always so smooth it's incredible <laughs> I just check in everybody's doing great and I just say okay have a great day everybody that's the way it goes right <laughs> I wish now that's yeah, there's always there's always something and you know, especially with this uh, dealing with this situation, we had, you know, 75% of our revenue, um, you know, vanished overnight. So wow. it, it, it's been a real uh, triage and a hustle to keep things together. And, you know, we've, we pivoted like wild into all different sorts of things. But man, have we ever gotten better this past year? Just having to trim down, get things like really, really tight and really focus on um, like a clear, definitive lines of business. And it's been um, as much as like the, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not happy that it happened or anything. But in another respect, uh, we are such, so much better of a company as a result of this um just all the noise, all the noise getting turned off. We were a lot more organized and a, doing a lot, um, even, even, you know, better work, the quality, the level of um, oh, okay. customer it's, it's been, it's been good. Yeah. I want to talk about that. Uh, last thing about this, something that comes up to me about you and this period. Um, how did you manage to stress? Because I guess it's a lot of stress when you lose that much 
uh, that 75% of, of your revenue. How did you manage the stress and, and react to the situation? Um, well, uh, at first there was a, a panic, of course, when nobody mm -hmm. knew what, what the heck this thing was. Um, I remember, you know, uh, being, I had flown back to Toronto and, um, I remember the, the early days, I think it was like in February, early February, and it was starting to get weird. My timeline might be a little off, but you know, when I saw no people on streetcars and, the report started getting, you know, way more doomsday. I remember calling uh, my wife and saying, you know, get a freezer, you know, load it up with like frozen <laughs> food. You know, like I was, we all did it. <laughs> <laughs> was ready to, you know, I, I didn't buy, I didn't stock up on toilet paper, but there was uh, the, yeah, the early panic days I remember well. And I was just like, holy cow. I, I knew early on, um, just because I, you know, I have to be thinking about what's next in the future. I'm kind of tuned into that. I, I knew that this was going to be, you know, disastrous, and there wasn't going to be any uh, sporting events. And I kind of, I, I felt that it was going to be bad. So I, I moved pretty quickly on um, triaging. Unfortunately, we we just we had to uh, lay people off. Like we had to move, we had to move quick if we were going to, to survive because it was just cancel, cancel, cancel. We just had to move quickly. We just, we had no choice. We had to like get down to the bare bones and finish the work that we had, uh, that we had in the hopper to finish. But the tap was pretty much turned down to zero for several months in terms of like things coming in the front the front door um yeah wow yeah that's that's pretty, it was pretty rough for most companies and especially if a uh, company like yours uh with trade shows and events and wow and but you did something very cool i saw that for covid19 uh you design kiosks and you shared the design with other companies so they can they could manufacture them. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that was you know it was an opportunity to do something good, and you know we wanted to amplify that. You know we wanted to um, to be a part of the solution. You know we're problem solvers, and it was. It was a great opportunity that came at a good time and it, it felt right. It felt good. It was something that um, it just made sense to do, you know, because it was a global thing. And, you know, why not share uh, the knowledge? I actually had other conversations um, for other people in similar situations in the industry, like where we were, you know, these other guys were making uh, face shields and we were making um, the uh, the kiosks for frontline workers to do check-ins and temporary hospitals, and it was uh, yeah we were we were we were helping, but we were also you know trying to triage and get some revenue in the door so we didn't have to lay as many people off. So it was yeah. it was helpful and it was and it felt good to help at the same time. That's awesome. That's awesome. And um, uh, I saw in the in the in Inc. magazine, uh, the top 100 companies best in business award, 
that you're second in marketing and advertising category. So what's so special about your marketing? What happened? How did you get there? That's uh, wh why did they, um, how did you got this, this title, this position? You know, I don't, I didn't even know about that. I am uh, excited. <laughs> I am excited to hear about that. That's very cool. I will have to check that out. Um, I guess just, you know, doing, doing what we do, doing what we do, I suppose. Um, How do you approach uh, your marketing? Maybe that's a better way to phrase the question. Um, we take a very pragmatic approach. You know, it's objective based. There's uh, ob objectives, strategies and activities that, yeah. you know, that uh, fulfill on that objective. And I think just having a systematic approach of trying to solve the uh, the problem or project in front of us and cutting to the core of, you know, what success looks like, um, you know, and it just becomes a way of being. It becomes a repeatable kind of framework for success. We apply it to ourselves. We apply that to our customers. And I think maybe because we're rooted in execution and deadlines, like things need to happen right especially in the event business and i think that just kind of trickled through to everything else that we do now like from the architectural projects to uh the digital development projects you know even though the the output is quite different it's a similar uh approach in that okay. way of like driving at objectives and success and hitting deadlines because it's it's pretty easy to get caught in the in the spin cycle you know especially if you have a, a client that is maybe scattered themselves like it's it's our job to get them to get them on a track you know aiming towards their objectives because if if you let yeah. the client uh you know fall victim to their own vices or own maybe different executive stakeholders or or you know, whatever the situation is, we can get dragged down with it. And then, you know, who gets blamed at the end? It's, um, <laughs> it's not, you know, it's certainly not going to be them, right? So yeah. I think just guiding and leading and having that objective-based approach is, is critical for whatever we do. And then we can take on anything, like from uh, making shovels to houses to, uh, yeah, I got to tell you about the houses. I hope you ask me about it. Yeah, well, I'm asking you about it. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, it's pretty cool. We are officially house builders now, but not in the traditional sense. We have taken on a very interesting challenge that was brought on by the pandemic for migrant farm workers at farms. The housing situation kind of got highlighted because of the, um, you know, the nature of the virus, like being easily spread by people in close proximity. So yeah. the government kind of stepped in in Canada there and said, you know, this is no good. We got to protect these uh, migrant farm workers. We got to impose some more regulations to make sure that people are further apart. So that, of course, um, forced the farm, farm industry to, to respond and have to do something about it. And uh, we um, had the opportunity to work on this problem with them. And because of our manufacturing background and ability to do um, you know, architectural projects and digital fabrication projects, yeah. we are now manufacturing uh, low-cost homes. Nice. Yeah, it's like a, basically like a, a migrant farmer village we are building, which is incredibly exciting. It just, it's, it's such a good story. I'm so excited to get the first one rolled out. 
It's uh, you looking behind. There's one behind you. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, I'm. I'm maybe. Oh, you, you. I'm on camera. I forgot. Yeah, I just. I don't know. No, looking. no, no. But it's. It's. <laughs> what is the specificity of your approach with that? Why are you so excited about this project? I, I feel that it's a project that 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 you feel more excited than the others right now. Yeah, I. I really am. Just because it's. It's kind of all the things that we've learned coming together. And mm. I feel like we could, we have a real opportunity here to like, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a disruptive move, you know, and, and that excites me because like I've, I've built um, a house before um, my own project. So I know all the, all the steps that goes into it and it's, it's not an efficient process. And if you build something in a factory, you have a lot more control over the quality and the processes and how things come out. Um, like when you imagine, you know, a traditional home, there's all the different trades that need to be coordinated at different times. There's drawings and, you know, potential for mistakes or, you know, when you think about the, like a factory environment and using um, technology and digital fabrication uh, and automation, you can, tr you take away all those variables. And you can actually have like a much higher quality product if um, because you're in control. So mm. uh, I'm, and that's the approach that we're taking. It isn't that uh, you know we're excited to to be a home builder like like a, a typical um, stick built frame built house. That's not what's intriguing. What's intriguing is the different materials, different manufacturing approach, and It's it's you know potentially very disruptive and it's a space that we want to um, to uh, continue to be in and explore. It's um it's really exciting. Wow, that's really cool. That's really cool. I can understand you're excited about it. Um, there's so, something that um, intrigued me about uh, your company as well um, is that it often comes back how well managed it is. So apparently you are in the, the Deloitte uh, 50 best managed companies and uh, that's something. So I wanted to ask you about that, about management and maybe for you, it's more about uh, leadership as well. What is the um, approach to high level management and how you got there? Um, yeah, well, I mean, um, I guess it depends who you ask if we're... If we're <laughs> that well managed or not. I feel, I feel like we are, um, it's like I said, it's, it's been a lot of trial and error and getting people in place that are experts in, in what they do. Um, we have really been focused on the customer and growth. So I feel like, um, truth be told, I actually don't feel like we are, um, the greatest managed company. I feel like we have some really good uh, key strengths that have contributed to our growth. And actually, to be honest, um, it's, it's through this pandemic that I think of like a lot of that growth kind of provided a little bit of uh, shielding from some of our weaknesses to our infrastructure. And mm. because we, you know, have this time and this runway to um, figure things out. You know, I look at it as an opportunity, like there's no, you know, good or bad. It's just, 
is just learning. And um, if there are weaknesses, like let's uh, let's talk about them, let's fix them. So you know, m- maybe maybe that in of itself is uh, is a quality that's required to to grow and improve and everything. And yeah, you know, we will be a very well managed company soon. It's just we got to get got to get a little bit more organized and coming out of this uh, situation. Yeah. I'm I'm excited for the next phase where we where we will be very well managed. So I, I maybe I'm not taking that compliment very well, right? That's, uh, <laughs> it's okay. It's better to take it that way and be modest about it, or or at least honest about it, because it shows that uh, you you have this honesty uh, towards your company. So maybe that's also a part of it. Um, and and not brag about it differently so that's that's very cool um what is next for you uh for astound and also for you oh what's next i'm i'm just excited to come to 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 get rolling again you know getting things back to normal just getting people back together if people want to come back together and do cool things which i think it's you know in our nature to want to do then yeah. uh, we will have no trouble being very successful at this because that's what we, you know, we a lot a big part of our business is is focused on that. And um, what's next is uh, the Roaring Twenties. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're gonna we're gonna kill it. Cool, cool, cool. I'm always asking my guests, do you have uh, a couple? So it means one, two, three, uh, up to you. A couple of tips. You can give to people listening to us um, career tips, tips in general for their lives, for entrepreneurs or people who want to be entrepreneurs or just people who want to be involved in their career. For sure. Uh, that's uh, just kind of off the cuff here. I'm probably not going to give you the best tips off the cuff, but what it would It doesn't I... matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, I would say, uh, you know, one foot in front of the other is uh, is probably the biggest one, you know, every day is uh is a new day and and that you know it just what happened that day you know did you do did you do what you were supposed to do to advance your objective you know you can stretch a lot of days together where not much happened we're sure you walked around and and you know ate lunch and did whatever you did but did you did you advance your business you know so that was early on like when i when i first started was uh I treated it like a like a job. I woke up in the morning, got at it, you know, and that that's really the key is consistency, one foot in front of the other, one day at a time, advancing your objectives. Yeah, it doesn't definitely resonate with me and I'm sure with uh, many listeners. Um, that is great. Is there a book or another resource that influenced you that... Um, touched you or that you would recommend to other? Yes, I've got two. One was uh, what allowed me with um, without the business background and training to to start Astound and to organize it and, and get it rolling. And that was uh, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. I okay. read that in one sitting and it's uh, it's a great book. Just describes how to organize and build build a successful company um it's it's a it's a really easy read i think it's uh it's a conversation between um 
somebody who owns a pie store in a, in a, and I think it might be the author himself or a business consultant. And it's just okay. uh, puts it in very simple terms and lays out the roadmap. And that's still, you know, really the, the framework for, for uh, how we built the company today. And um, the, the other one that I really liked was, uh, is a book called uh, The War of Art. Oh, yeah. And, I read that one. Oh, you did? Yeah, that was a Joe Rogan um, recommendation that I, okay. I, I took. And that's a great book. I just love that. It's kind of like where that tip resonates and comes from. It's like the, that one foot in front yes. of the other. Just do it, you know? And, and I love the comparisons between the amateur and the professional and just kind of putting your emotions aside, being objective. And, and uh, that's a great book. I love that book. It actually improved my golf swing even. I, I read that book really? and uh, 10 strokes, I, I swear, 10 strokes after I read that book went away. It was incredible. How come? Um, just mental, just organizing things differently in your brain, thinking of them a little huh. bit differently. And the key was um, I would step up and think, you know, maybe my own ego getting in the way thinking, man, I sh I'm good at this. I should be good at this. You know, this should go <laughs> well for me because, you know, I'm relatively athletic, you know, and I can, I can do this. But the golf ball doesn't care. The club doesn't care. It's all about execution. So as soon as you like drop your ego and think about like how things should stop, th stop thinking about how things should go and just realize that, hey, all that matters right now is how I execute. And it's that is what ties into being a professional. You know, it's that's what really matters is how you execute at the end of the day, um, what you think or how you feel or, you know, rah, rah, I should be good. I deserve this. You don't deserve anything. It's all that it's all what you do at the end of the day and the results that that matter. Um, as soon as you set up those expectations or you drop those expectations, um, good things happen, you know, getting rid of the ego and deciding that it's up to you. Wow, very cool. I think we cannot uh, beat that. Um, so I'm, I'm gonna uh, free you and and uh, thank you for taking all this time for us and for the Creativity Podcast. Um, Dale, where do you want people to connect with you or to f what do you want them to follow, to check out? Just tell me and we put the link in the in the description. Uh, astoundgroup.com and yeah. if anyone wants to email me, it's dale at astoundgroup.com. All right. No social media? Um, well, yeah, Instagram and whatever, but just the company. I'm not, uh, I haven't made an attempt yeah. at being a social media star or anything. So <laughs> you can follow me, but you'll be wildly disappointed. It's pictures of my kids in <laughs> bushes and things like that. So. Nothing All right. All right. <laughs> no worries. Uh, dear listeners, just remember to like and share this episode with a friend or colleague if you liked it. We are on SoundCloud, uh, Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. Dale, thank you so much for your time and input and all those advice. Uh, for me, it was great. And if for me it's great, I'm sure it will be for other people who think a little bit like me. So have a great day. Uh, I wish you the best. Sounds great. Thanks a lot. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Okay, take care. Have a good day. 
You too. Bye. Bye.